This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. One of the big questions is, what is money? For practical purposes, it exists in a series of uh, heterogeneous databases, very different databases. Do you believe in crypto? Digital currency may be an answer. But it is the highly speculative asset. Uh, I do own Bitcoin. There is no second past. Welcome to the Crypto Curious Podcast, designed to help you navigate the dynamic world of cryptocurrency. Hello, my name is Tracy, and I'm joined by my mates and colleagues from the Bamboo app, Blake and Craig. Hey guys, how are you going? Well, thank you. Hey, Craig, how are you going? Good, thanks, Tracy. Let's kick it off. Let's kick it off. This week, we've gone to the Crypto Curious inbox, which has been filled up with some really awesome emails. So thanks, folks, for being so interactive and offering up some great feedback along with asking some amazing questions. Because we're getting such interesting questions, we thought it would be a good idea to throw it out to the masses and answer these in a podcast so that the entire Crypto Curious crew could get benefit from these answers. Because let's face it, it's likely that a few of you out there are thinking the same thing. We thought we'd jump into probably the biggest question of all the questions that we get in the inbox. So go large or go home. But this one is from Jacob and he's not alone in asking this question. Uh, He's just lucky the one that gets the name check for today. But he asks, what do you believe to be the biggest threat to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general? So yeah, that is that is the big question. Craig, what do you reckon? Great question. Well, I think it's a good question though, because if you invest in anything, it's a good habit to look at like what can go wrong. What's that Murphy's Law, what can go wrong will go wrong? I think mm. that's what it is. Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not really well versed in the regulation and computing concerns, so I'll let Blake touch on that. But for me, I'd say the two main risks, which you could laugh at, but there's probably a more than 0%, less than 1% chance it could happen which is if a major stable coin is founded out to not be backed by anything, I think the space would lose a lot of credibility and momentum if that were to happen. And also, um, long shot, but if Satoshi ever unlocks his wallet and dumps the market, that could really spook a lot of people. Uh, so how many has he got? Well, how many coins has Satoshi got again? I think, I think it was like a million coins. Yeah, yeah. But you, I, I said this to you the other day, Tracy, and you seem to think that... I, I, I think it is a lot of coins, but I don't think it's enough to completely wreck the market. We would come back. What about you, Blake? What what keeps you up at night? Like, what, what what's on your mind with this sort of stuff? You know, Bitcoin's come a long way and the whole cryptocurrency industry, you know, over the past 12 years, has had a lot of challenges um, and been able to overcome them. Um, and every time it overcomes one of these challenges, it just gets stronger. But, you know, some of these continued challenges include legislation in various countries like China banning it, places like India and, and other countries with tight capital controls. So, yeah, that's certainly a risk in different locations. And, of course, if, you know, somewhere like the U.S., 
banned Bitcoin, for example, you know, that would cause the technology to lose a lot of momentum and innovation. But yeah, I really think that, that, you know, there's too many advocates for the technology, lobbying government, getting involved in policy and, and also massive businesses that are building, utilizing the technology. And I just don't think that the US would do that. Another big risk is minor centralization. So, you know, there's inherent risk if too many, too much of the mining happens by, you know, just a few groups. And, you know, over time, the assumption is that, you know, there'll be lots of acquisitions, lots of mergers, and, you know, people, you know, building monopolies in this sector. And, those ones that are well capitalized and are growing rapidly have a shot at being one of those players. And I think that's that's a big risk in, in for the future of, of Bitcoin. And do you think like minor centralization, is that just a case of like, if they go down, then the whole space goes down? Or is it a case of it loses its decentralization because all the miners are in one spot? Yeah. So the miners decide which blocks they pick up and mine. And, you know, there's inherent risk with just a few people controlling a majority of mm. the blocks being formed. So it loses its its inherent quality of decentralization at that point in time. So um, hopefully that doesn't happen too quickly. And when it does happen, it doesn't affect the network too negatively. Blake, what are your thoughts on quantum computing? We don't have to go too hard or too deep on this, but I do want to get your thoughts on this because... For me, someone coming into crypto four or five years ago and not having a huge understanding of computer science, I didn't understand what, you know, quantum science was and I, I used to hear that term bandied around because that was the that was the possible scenario for the 51% attacks on the network. You know, quantum computing does pose a risk to any blockchain protocol, mainly because the quantum computing can break its hashing algorithm or break its security. And at that point in time, you know, they could potentially, you know, hack Satoshi's wallet, for example, break his private key and take all his coins. And obviously... But we're talking about years and years away, aren't we? We're talking about like quantum computing that's not going to be feasible or ready for like 20, 50 years, right? Yeah, well, there's there's mitigation strategies that the different blockchains can put in place to ensure that their security algorithm is, you know, quantum proof. Okay. And yeah, already some blockchains you know, have that in place. So if it does come to a time when it is getting close, I think that would see a pretty swift move from um, node operators and miners to upgrade the network. There you go, Blake, saying his bit, making us all sleep easy at night. <laughs> <laughs> we all acknowledge there's risks that come along with being in the crypto space, obviously. But as Craig said before, that's about being informed and being a smart investor and not being a cynic or a bear. Okay, so on to the next question, and this one's from Sam, and he says, the flippening, this is one you love, Craig, is it really going to happen and for how long do you think this will last? So I'll throw to you for that one, Craig. We should probably explain again what the flippening so, is. So, yeah, yeah, the flippening is the case of Ethereum overtaking Bitcoin's market cap. Now, I think in a massive peak hype cycle, that does happen. But I think it happens for two weeks max and the market will correct itself. I just think like in the crypto market, like sometimes the narratives become become reality, like Dogecoin to a dollar, like it hits 70 yeah. cents. Like it, imagine explaining to someone that Dogecoin will hit 70 cents in like 2017. They would have laughed out of the room. So like <laughs> the flippening has been like a meme for a while with mm. Bitcoin maxis. 
And now all of a sudden, it's like within 50%, 60% of the market cap. And like all it takes is like a few months of Bitcoin chop and a massive ETH run and it flips. Mm. The Bitcoin maxis might laugh at this, but I think it does happen. And I, But I do think the market will correct itself um, quickly. Yeah, I, th- I think that's really interesting. And you know, if industries like DeFi, like NFTs keep growing and become you know, multi-trillion dollar industries in their own right, it's just going to fuel the growth of Ethereum. And I wouldn't just want to limit Ethereum to ha- having, you know, sub-industries of DeFi and NFTs. You know, we could have mm-hmm. dozens of industries building on top of Ethereum that could be worth trillions of dollars. That haven't even been invented yeah, yet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's yeah. right. Yeah. So, you know, what happens when you're all financial settlements, you know, could potentially happen You're using the Ethereum network. On the platform, or, yeah. Yeah. Um, all these things will contribute to Ethereum growing at a faster rate than Bitcoin, particularly now that Ethereum has a burn function, so a portion of the fees burn. So um, it might not mm-hmm. happen this year, it might not happen next year, but because of the you know the abilities of Ethereum, I think that one day it will happen and it'll you know potentially permanent. Wow, there you go, Sam. The flipping. What do you, what do you think, not Tracy? Just a weird word. <laughs> yeah, look, I agree. I mean, we've had this conversation. I think we've even got a little bit of a bet riding on it still, don't we, Craig? I think. I think it may happen. I'm not sure for how long, so time will tell. Now, a third question comes from Gladys, who writes really simply, Gladys, staking, I don't understand how to do it. (laughs) Neither did I, Gladys. It takes a bit of time. So who wants to answer this one, boys? So it really depends on, you know, which blockchain you're staking tokens with. Some do it via smart contracts where you have to use, you know, special wallets in order to do it. And others do it by just monitoring wallet addresses to see that you have a certain amount in there over over a period of time as well as that there's third-party services that can help you stake Um, sometimes there's a threshold limit like with ethereum staking on eth 2.0 you'll need 32 ethereum which is quite a lot of money Um, and if you only have you know a few ethereum that you want to stake to earn rewards from it might be better to use a you know non-custodial your third-party service where you can pool your ethereum with other people's for a small fee so you can still get the staking rewards and as well as this, you know, many of the exchanges provide services where, you know, there's wallets like Exodus as well that allow you to, to stake your coins within the wallet, whether it's Cardano or Ethereum or, or EOS, they make it really easy for you. So there's lots of ways that you can do it. It's really about just, you know, doing a bit of research and figuring out which one's the best for you. So it's probably worth, you know, having a look on YouTube and at a few you know, different resources. For example, if you're looking to stake ethereum maybe jump on the ethereum website there should be some instructions there about different ways that you can do it but also just to add on to that make sure you look at what the fees are when you stake for example if you want to stake a little bit of ethereum when the gas fees 200 you're already like you could be already down 10 percent. you know what i mean so yeah not worth it so tip of the day check the fees Okay, so next we have a question from Dom who's asked us to put our detective hats on. He asks, who do you guys think is Satoshi Nakamoto? When I was in the space, I like was into this hard. Like I was researching this so much. Now, my money is on a guy called Hal Finney who sadly has passed away. So Vitalik himself, the founder of Ethereum, says there's probably a 15 to 20% chance that Hal Finney is Satoshi. Now, I'm going to do three main reasons why one is he was the recipient of the first ever bitcoin transaction two 
he tweeted running Bitcoin in 2009 and he was talking to, air quotes, Satoshi on Bitcoin talk forums. And three, there is actually a guy called Satoshi Nakamoto that everyone tracked down. I was like, this is Satoshi Nakamoto. He founded Bitcoin and like Satoshi Nakamoto, the, you know, the guy who was getting accused of founding Bitcoin had no idea about crypto. The model train guy, the model train guy that was in, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He had no idea about Bitcoin. He actually eventually became a massive crypto bull, but he just had the same name. But Tracy, he lived in the same neighbourhood as Hal Finney for 10 years. Yes, I know the story. I know the story. Mm, The plot thickens. Okay, so there are a lot of candidates out there that you can go and have a look at yourself. Um, Some names to pop through there. Nick Sabo, who's spoken about a lot in a lot of threads. Adam Black, uh, Dorian Nakamoto, and controversial crime kingpin Paul Leroux. And I personally haven't spent a lot of time looking into this either, though I do like the Hal Finney story that, that Craig's mentioned. The only thing that makes me think that perhaps... It's not how Finney is that if he was getting towards the end of his life, you know, did he not pass the coins on to someone, give it to charity or to give it to someone else? And again, those coins haven't been touched, haven't been moved. They're still sitting there. So anyway, go maybe if you guys do do some research and, you know, have come up with anything, then please send us an email, let us know what your thoughts are. So next question is from Gemma who asks, can you suggest any Telegram groups or is everyone moving to Discord now? Look, so we did an episode about researching coins a few weeks ago and this is actually a pretty good follow-up question because we did talk about uh, how the fact a lot of conversations have moved onto Discord and that's certainly where I go. I don't even look at Telegraph. There's a few guys I follow on there that I go to but everything that I look at now is on Discord. How about you guys? Where are you looking? Yeah, same as you. Don't use Telegram at all. Um, It just... I literally have maybe one or two discords that I'm sitting in because you can just get information overload. And if you're in like five or six, you're just constantly getting distracted by all these different projects. So I'm in discord groups and projects that I have conviction in. So like Dopex, I talked about that as my 2022 big play. So I'm in their, do- I'm in their discord and I just see what's going on, ask any questions. Um, but yeah, I'm not into it as much as probably I should. What about you, well, Blake? Blake's checking one now. So which one are you, which one are you yeah, looking at Yeah, what are you in, Blake? Blake? I can see you're checking something now. Which Discord are you checking? Yeah, <laughs> I'm not really part of more generalized, you know, Discord groups. I just follow individual projects and check out their communities. And I know that, you know, Telegram used to be pretty big for, you know, having chat groups for, for you know, participating in the sector. But, yeah, I think many of them were overrun and hard to moderate, mm. you know, with, with bots and, and scammers and you know, everyone kind of has been drifting away. Is that kind of why Telegram was so popular at the time? Because you could do and say and be in there without it being moderated and without fear of kind of repercussions? Yeah. I think because it, it was free and anyone could mm. use it. It did have some encryption on there as well. Um, so, mm. but yeah, Discord's obviously much better for managing communities actively. Mm. Callum is asking a bit of a nuts and bolts type question. He asks, "Can I get a better understanding of the laws and fees around the crypto sphere, from transaction fees on the main exchanges to tax on cryptos?" Hmm. Yeah, good question. Yeah, I might start off with fees. Fees obviously vary. You know, quite a lot from paying, you know, 0.1% for a transaction to paying anywhere up to 4 or 5% of your combined fees when you're trying to get exposure to 
crypto. So you do have to be careful. You know, some platforms are very, very convenient. And as a result, you'll pay a higher premium. Um, and then other ones that are a bit more challenging to use and maybe, you know, not as large. And um, then you can get, you know, better, better pricing. But, you know, there's a few components to that as well. You know, many exchanges will charge you to deposit money and then also to trade. Or they might have a spread on the order book, which means that they'll charge you a little bit extra for the crypto, like a 0.2%. And... Um, you know, it's not necessarily advertised as a fee. Um, it's just built into the price. Um, so a few things to be um, wary of there. And the second aspect of that was tax. Tax is, I don't want to, <laughs> how do I how do I phrase this? Be careful here. You know, in relation to tax, you know, I don't think I'm really the right person to give any advice on that. But, you know, a great place to look is the ATO's website. And also we work with a group called CryptoKate, which is a specialist um, crypto accounting firm. Um, and they've been great um, for the work that they've done with us. Here you guys. And if you're overseas, like in America, yeah, just check the SEC's website or, you know, just have a look online and you'll be able to find you know, some information there. Okay, so we did an episode a little while ago on security, but we've had a specific question come through from Yanni who details what he does saying. I currently use Ledger hardware wallet. It's my understanding that if I were to lose the physical wallet, I could purchase a new wallet and then recover my assets as long as I have the keys. I'm careful with where I store my wallet, but I would be all the more cautious if I could lose everything if the physical wallet were lost or damaged. So when you do purchase a wallet and you set it up, you get a recovery seed phrase, phrase. which is phrase. like 20 random words. So if you were to ever, God forbid, lose your wallet, you can at least use this to recover. So what people generally do is print it out a couple of times, make a few copies, give it to your nan, give it to your, you know, give it to people that you trust just in case you lose your wallet and then you can just use this recovery phase to recover your account. And, and, the, and the way that you do that is that you would buy a new ledger. Um, and then when you're setting it up, instead of you know, creating a new wallet, you just seed that wallet with your with your recovery phrase, um, recovery seed phrase, which is your 12 to 24 digit word. And generally best practice with you're distributing your seed phrase to your loved ones and the ones that you trust is to split it up into you know, three elements. You, know, you give the first four words to you know your accountant, the next four words to your sister, and then you keep four. So then. <laughs> yeah, oh, no way <laughs> your accountant no, and your the, lawyer yeah. people do that yeah yeah, really? yeah. so yeah, yeah. so because it's it, it might be a good idea not to you know give it give them both to your know, friends it should be maybe you know someone that's a service provider doesn't the the Winklevoss twins have like four words in like every continent on earth or something like that have you guys heard about sounds, this sounds about right for those two probably <laughs> No, that sounds like good practice. So that's that you can see how important that recovery seed phrase really is. So keep that safe, people. So many questions. So hopefully you're hearing information that you've wondered about in the past. And a reminder that our podcast email is in the show notes. So shoot us anything that's been puzzling you and we'll make sure to answer it in a future episode. But for now, we'll go back to Beck and Belinda, who've also got their mum onto the podcast. So thanks, guys. But they're also asking, how do you buy stable coins? Is there an easy way? Hey, what, are we, what are we saying here, guys? Yeah, there's, 
Yeah, there's a few ways to get some stable coins. One is just your, your ex- exchange, centralized exchange that you can, you know, go on to, you know, be the Binance and just literally buy stable coins with AUD if you want. Um, another way is on a decentralized exchange with Ethereum. You go just swap Ethereum into USDT and that could be used to maybe stake or farm or whatever you want to do. But what do you think, Blake? Where do we get stable coins from? Depend depends why you're buying that stable coin as well. You can also create your own stable coins, you know, like make a DAO, which is the biggest DAO organization on um, Ethereum, where you can create your own stable coins backed by you know digital assets. How I don't even wow. know how to do the that. Beck and, the Beck and Belinda DAO. <laughs> BB Dow. Yeah, but for the sake of answering the question, I think it is very easy to actually buy a stable coin. Like you said, depending on which exchange you're on, you can transfer from your Australian dollars straight into whichever stable coin you're looking at. It's, it's pretty simple. So honestly, you can't look in the business section of any news outlets lately without reading about the ridiculous price companies and the individuals paying for different bits of land in these virtual metaverses right now. And Adam is clearly wondering all about this because he asks... How many other virtual lands are out there aside from Decentraland and Sandbox? This is a great question. Mm, well, Decentraland and Sandbox are obviously the two massive ones. I don't even know of any others on Ethereum, to be honest, but I do know of one that's sort of got similar hype called Star Atlas on Solana. Um, Chasey, we're going to buy a ship on there. Do they have land as well? Well, you guys are saying they must do. Blake was mentioning earlier they do. And they will. Well, it's a, it's a complete... It's a complete metaverse, isn't it? So mm. I would assume so. Yes, you can land on places and I think it's going to be built out. So yes, I guess so. Yeah. Before we move on to the others that are not on Ethereum, Somnium Space, this one has been around for a while and kind of gone under the radar, but it has been building itself out since 2018 and it is kind of touted as kind of one of the the other big ones. So you can look into that. And there's even been a little bit of chatter recently about Apple potentially being a dark horse in the race because they've been buying up a lot of advanced kind of VR gear. So that's someone else to kind of keep an eye on. So I think, Adam, you've got the two big ones there anyway, Decentraland and Sandbox. And uh, definitely have a look into uh, Somnium also. But as Craig mentioned, built out on uh, Solana at the moment, Star Atlas, and they've got big plans over the next five years. So if anyone else is having a, a deep dive into that area, again, send us an email and let us know what you found because it is it is really interesting. Now, there were a bunch of questions around NFTs, too many in fact. So what we might do is give it another podcast of its very own. So if you didn't hear your question today about NFTs, then look out for that one in the coming weeks. So we might leave it there for the questions today. But if you do have a question of your own that you didn't hear answered, then please shoot us an email and we might do another episode just like this one in the future. On that note, let's leave it there for today. We want to know what you want to know about crypto. So please send us an email at podcast at getbamboo.io or follow us on social media. All those details are in the show notes below. Remember to fill out the listener survey and don't forget to rate and review us on the podcast app. Thanks for joining. We'll see you next time. See you guys. Thanks, guys. Crypto Curious is a product of Equity Mates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. Equity Mates gives listeners access to information and educational content provided by a range of financial service professionals. It is not intended as a substitute for professional finance, legal, or tax advice. The hosts of Crypto Curious are not aware of your personal financial circumstances. Equity Mates Media does not operate under an Australian financial services license and relies on the exemption available under the Corporations Act of 2001 in respect of any information or advice given. 
Before making any financial decisions, you should read the product disclosure statement and, if necessary, consult a licensed financial professional. Do not take financial advice from a podcast. For more information, head to the disclaimer page on the Equitymates website where you can find the ASIC resources and find a registered financial professional near you. In a spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Crypto Curious acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and the connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.